Swamiji, this program is called Ask Me About Truth. So I'm going to ask you, what is truth? <laughs> like Pontius Pilate. Truth is that which is, which may seem ridiculous because we say that my hand is, you are, I am, but we're not. It's all an illusion. We're a dream of God. That which is, is only the dreamer. His dream is as a dream, but it's not in ultimate reality. If you hit your head in a dream, your dream head will hurt, but it's still all a dream. So what is and what is truth is God and God alone. There is one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And this is the truth. But that one dreamed all these other things. So what is the truth about every situation, that which takes you toward him rather than away from him? It is more truth, true to be kind than to be unkind because to be kind helps you to sense uh, the oneness of life, whereas to be unkind is to erect barriers between yourself and life. It is more truthful to tell the truth because then you're in even a, a delusive truth like I'm going to town today. It's better to tell the truth because that puts you in truth with in tune with what is even in the dream. Otherwise you're creating your own separate dream. Like I heard just a, a couple of days ago about somebody who made great claims for his uh, life after death experiences, but they were not true. Mm -hmm. And you could see in his eyes there's something that didn't have power behind it. Mm -hmm. So a liar can be very convincing, but he doesn't have power. If you always speak the truth, then you have not only power to materialize what you're doing, you have the power to do what you want to do. For example, in college, I didn't I didn't want to go to college. I was tired of it. I was trying, I was trying to find truth, not facts. And uh, my Greek exam was looming, and my professor was saying, well, if some people might as well not come, I would recognize words like uh and the. <laughs> but uh, I really was not a competent Greek scholar, and I determined to pass that exam, but I didn't know uh, anything. And I tried to pick up the book to study it a week before. I oh, <laughs> And it was only the night before I suddenly realized, my God, this exam is tomorrow. And I plan to pass it, but I, I don't know how. And I, in the desperation of that moment, I said, you're a Greek. And suddenly I put myself in tune, found myself in tune with the Greek consciousness. And I read the book with all its rules and everything. In two hours, I was staggering. But only two people passed that exam. I was one of them. But it was by being in tune. I found that when I am in tune in this sense, I, there are many things that I don't even know that I can do well. And is one of them trying to get beyond the dream? Beyond the dream. Be in tune with the Creator. So, Swami, is that what Christ means when he says, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free? That's what he meant. When you know who you really are, that you are really a child of God. You know, we are his children. 
Why doesn't God come to us if he's just our father, our mother, our friend, our beloved? Why doesn't he come to us? Well, Yogananda put it very well. He said, why should God reveal himself to you? He knows people, most most people only want to argue with him. <laughs> the fact is that he doesn't want to come down to our level. Uh, he wants us to come up to his level. When we're on his level, he can treat us as a chum. There's a beautiful poem of Yogananda's called The Divine Playmate. And he says in the end when he finds God, Hello, playmate, I am here. And yet we have to be on that level because he cannot relate to us as long as we have our little egoic desires and attachments and likes and dislikes and so on. We have to become, as Jesus said, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. We have to reach that level of perfection. But the truth is we are all reflections of God. We're just as great as God is. We're as old as God is. We're a part of God. And uh, what God is, you can be. But you have to be on that level. When you've gotten rid of the ego, when you've gotten rid of this little lower self, then you find your relationship with God can be one of complete confidence and friendliness and even playfulness. Well, Swamiji, does that apply even when we are in a concentration camp, when we're being beaten or tortured? If you're in God, nothing touches you. People think about Jesus being beaten before his crucifixion. He didn't have to go through any of that. He didn't feel it. He was above it. People talk of his suffering on the cross. He suffered, yes, but what he suffered for was the ignorance of poor human beings who would take a great prophet like them and try to destroy him. That's his pain. But the pain of a master, he doesn't have to be in his body. One time, very interestingly, Yogananda was helping to put a, a concrete wishing well, as he called it, at Mount Washington. And it happened to slip and fall on his foot and break it. And you could see his face was contorted with the pain. Then he said to people, look, I'll show you something. I'll put my mind here. He was able to walk up and down and no sign of pain, no difficulty. As soon as he let his body, my mind come down to the body, then he could experience pain. So in the concentration camp, if you are um, a master, you don't feel it. If you're a saint, you just give it to God. There's a curious thing that happened. One time Yogananda was with some of the women disciples at a show and Sister Mira, Vera Brown, was sitting with him. And he said to her afterwards, I noticed you couldn't take your eyes off that little girl in the row in front of us. And she said, Master, yes, it's true. I couldn't take my eyes off her. I was so fascinated by her. She looked so sad and yet so wise. And Yogananda said she died in a German concentration camp in her last life. And her experiences there have made her a saint. But there's a certain sadness in that memory too, and that's what you were seeing. So many people who went to concentration camps became saints because of the experience. There is no condition that is either bad or good. It depends entirely on your reaction.
how you take it. Swami, I have an odd question. This universe, which is a dream of God, as you've said, is it objective or subjective or both? In other words, I may, in a state of drug-induced fantasy, think that I can fly and try to fly off the 10th floor of a building and crash to my death. And yet we read stories of saints who could levitate. So the, the thing <laughs> itself is... is The dream is God's dream, and we dream within that dream. And so what we dream is our own separate creation from that dream. But our dreams should show us that we too are dreams. In fact, people reach this point in their own soul evolution where they think that what's the difference between this dream that I see in, when I'm sleeping and the dream that I'm dreaming now? Aren't they both dreams? Like a man who uh, his son had been bitten and by a cobra and killed. And his wife looked at him. He looked calm. He said, um, you don't understand. In my, in my dream last night, I dreamed that I was a king and I had six sons and they were all bitten by cobras and died. Now I'm trying to understand, should I grieve for my six sons or for my one son in this dream? So it's true. We have our own dream within the dream. And if that dream is not aligned with the objective dream, then it doesn't work. It's only a little circumscribed dream, circumscribed by our own consciousness. So if you try to jump off a high building, you'll crash. But it's also true that if you can go beyond the dream, then um, even gravity doesn't touch you. An interesting little way of seeing that God really does act in this world is the simple fact that water Everything in this world, when it heats, it expands. When it, when it becomes colder, it contracts. Water, when it becomes colder, expands. If it didn't, the, the ice would sink to the bottom of the ocean and the whole world would be frozen over. We wouldn't be able to have a living planet. I say that is a sign of God's miracle that he went against his own dream to make water uh, an, uh, a difference from that. So, okay. Swami, uh, is there a difference between truth and God? Or is it the same? It's the same thing. Truth is God. God is truth. Truth is that which is. And what is? God. And God is not some old man. He's the infinite consciousness out of which everything has come, that is truth. Swamiji, going back to the image of dreaming, how should we relate to our own dreams? We should use them to help us to understand how to wake up from the cosmic dream. We Sometimes a dream, usually they're just sort of figments of our own subconscious. Sometimes there's a reality in them, and we can use them. Sometimes they come as warnings. I remember I had a dream that my, of my cousin to whom I was close when she died. It was a very real experience for me that we, she came to me in my dream and we were in that other world for a while. And I'm sure it was really she. Your dead relatives may come to you 
in your sleep sometimes. But basically, um, dreams should help us to understand that the cosmic dream is what we must rise above. And that means by identifying with the creator of the dream. We have to try to find the creator. You, he doesn't create, you don't create dreams. You might say you manifest them. You materialize them. God dreamed this universe into existence, and we must try to unite our consciousness with him. Everything else is unreal. And even when you're starving to death, don't ever admit that this is real. God is my reality. No matter what happens to you, whatever pain, when I go to the dentist, I don't like to take Novocaine. I don't take it. Because I like, I think a little pain never hurt anybody. It helps me to understand that pain is a dream. I'm not this body. I'm not this ego. I'm a part of him. To be one with him is what my goal is.